You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by Is It Sexist? and Armadillos. Um, I would like to begin the show by explaining uh, a new segment we're going to do called Is It Sexist? Um, we've had, I've seen a lot of argument on the internet. Um, anytime an ad comes out featuring a woman in the ad, sometimes people are like, this is sexist. It shouldn't be here. And other times people are like, it's just people getting offended and people are offended at everything nowadays. Um, so what my idea was is kind of like a good gauge of, is something sexist is if you were to put, if you're a dude and you imagine a man. No, in if the you're same, a dude and you imagine me standing there doing exactly what the woman <laughs> in that photo is doing and that makes you uncomfortable. I was getting there. It's sexist. I was getting there. So imagine a dude dressed in a similar fashion um, in the same exact body position uh, in that photo. And if you're a straight dude and that makes you a little uncomfortable because it's kind of what you would consider homoerotic, then yes, it is sexist. So anytime someone's going to argue about a photo of is it sexist or not, we're going to dress Matt up the same way that the woman in the photo is dressed and put him in the same pose and post a picture of it. So we can decide if it's going to make you uncomfortable or not. And you can decide for yourself, is it sexist? So this week, it's going to be that Colnago ad where there's a woman holding a bike, popping her ass at the camera, and people are like, it's not sexist, it's a woman holding a bike. So my argument is if she's like standing next to her bike as if she was just about to get on her bike and ride it, that would be one thing. But when you're in like short socks, no cycling shoes, and you're popping your ass at the camera, then yes, it is sexist. So that's what you're going to get this week is a picture of Matt popping his ass at the camera holding a bike. And you can decide, is it sexist? So What if, what if your ass pops when you're just standing normal? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think there, in that ad there's some effort put into the ass pop. Gotcha. All you ladies pop yo chamois like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we could do it with Kenny too. Kenny, if you want to recreate that, like if you have someone that can take your photo, then um, we'll just do that. Like anytime there's one of these stupid ads that companies keep insisting on making where they're, you know, having a woman do something over overtly s- sexual in a way to advertise their product um we will have matt and if kenny wants to participate have kenny do it also um you know just just because it's fun i'll giggle (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and armadillos that's what else our show is brought to you by because no one in colorado knows the the hardship of living with armadillos right we just have rattlesnakes yeah there was actually lines. yesterday I rode with Joe, the Rocky Mountain rep, and there was a section of trail that we did not do along a ridgeline because he's like, no, this time of year when the sun's out, it's just covered in rattlesnakes. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's cool. We won't, we won't ride there. 
Yeah, Sorry. I don't I don't want anything to be covered in rattlesnakes ever. <laughs> like I can go for things covered in chocolate or caramel sauce or But rattlesnakes aren't or cool. like covered in a pile of kittens Spiders. or blankets. Uh covered in blankets. That's always a good one. Um but when you have something covered in rattlesnakes, it's usually a bad thing. So <laughs> We didn't tell Chris, our new roommate, that we record a podcast once a week, but we do. He just came home. Hey. <laughs> Bike talk? Bike talk, it is, yeah. You are correct. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go over the donations and stuff for the week? Uh, we didn't get any this week. I thought there was a $50 one. It's not on the email list, and I can't dig... It's not on the question list, and I can't dig through my email because it's going to make a metric... Fuck ton of noise. All right, hang hang on. I will save the day here. I've got it sort of readily accessible in my phone. So talk about something for one minute. I'll find it. <laughs> something for one minute. Yes. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to, one minute of dead If air. anyone wants to buy a Pike 120 millimeter or 160 millimeters of travel, um, with a steer tube long enough for a large crave with a handful of spacers like small spacers like 15 extra millimeters of fork on a large crave with a 46 mil offset 29er 120 or 160 um i'll sell it to you for the cheap get what, at me what are you planning on putting on get the at me head? get at me on the twitter it's at beanpole matt i'll hook you up i'll sell it to you for really really low there's nothing wrong with it it's just it's going into winter and that's one of the things of being back bike shop bro is i can buy a fork and then i can ride it for three or four months and then i can sell the fork to you and pass my savings along and then i can wait until it's like mountain bike season again and then i can buy another fork you know you can ride mountain bikes year round here yeah i can go fast on my rigid bike okay that's cool so kenny it's been a minute yes all right, so uh, <laughs> I guess I'll just read this. We got an email that goes along with it, and he's just kind of thanking um, JRA for that was a great email. Such. Yeah, so this is uh, from Randy Sim- uh, Randy Simonson. Um, Maybe Simonson. Simonson. I don't know. Whatever. It's all good. He knows who he is. So uh, <laughs> I listen to several different kinds of podcasts, but JRA is the best. I do enjoy many of the other MBR podcasts but JRA always makes me laugh and you provide very solid advice. Uh, the best advice was from Kenny when he explained why he uses a full face helmet. I needed a helmet this summer. So I bought a full face bell super two R about two weeks ago. After I got the helmet, I crashed. I don't recall hitting the chin guard, but when I took it off, it was scraped up. I contribute to JRA because I love listening to you all talk about <laughs> technical mountain bike subjects uh, we can't get that anyplace else. Also, contributing is a tangible means to express my gratitude for the great information and entertainment you provide. Um, so here is a tip for JRA listeners. Tip your bike mechanic. I was told this by a friend of mine, and I don't think it is, and I think it is the right thing to do. Uh, my mechanic, uh, Keith, gives me very, very good advice, uh, but I don't tip to get good service. I tip because I really appreciate the great job he has always done on my bike. So, yep, thanks, Randy. That is awesome. 
glad the helmet worked out for you. That's good. That's so, awesome. Let's start at the top on this. Yeah, good thing the helmet worked out well for you. Um, yeah, your face did not hit the ground. Thanks for liking the show. That that means a lot. We wouldn't do this if people hated us. Um, I mean, some people hate us, and that's also why we do it. So it's kind of both. <laughs> um, so, and uh, thanks for giving. This is something that we don't do as a largely financial or a way of gaining financial means. Um, it's, it's not a, it's not a lucrative thing to do, but it's also not, it's um, very helpful. It's, it does. I mean, it honestly takes a good bit of work. Um, and I'm not, I want to avoid us doing any name calling. So something that I learned a long time ago is that if you have something that you want to do and you want to do it well, and you want to sell that or pitch that or brag that you don't put down your competitors. You don't put down the, the people that are different types of media that you're competing with in a certain way. The thing to do is talk to your own strengths and allow that to continue to shine through because um, it's a, it's a false logic that something else being bad means that something that, that the opposite thing is good. So I don't want to, down talk anything else but we do only talk about things that we really really know um so that's why i wrote a pike and i would love to write a reba again after riding a pike that's why i would just love to try it out or to own one well i would like to have a reba for a few months and see if you could ride mine my riding has improved due to the pike or if i'm able to overwhelm the reba on a regular basis after riding the pike and expecting different things from a fort but not to be tangential so we we try to do a good job of just talking about what we know and knowing what we talk about and not just simply regurgitating what has been supplied to us by a company Uh, we don't have companies supplying things to us because i like to think of us as the underdog but uh, we definitely do want to continue to grow in the future and we want to continue to provide this good service. Um, and if anyone out there is interested in going, um, above and beyond what Randy is doing, you, there are definitely opportunities to sponsor the show. Um, and you know, have this show be brought to you by your business or your product or whatever you would like. And if you're interested in doing that, you can email info at Mountain Bike Radio, and uh, Ben will follow up with you and give you all the details about that, about what type of like pricing and representation we would like to give. Um, I guess while we're on it, the idea is to do native advertising with people. So uh, we would hope that just like we're experts about what we're talking about, that you would be an expert about the product you or service you want us to advertise. So. We would want to do a short little interview piece with you, you know, 45 seconds or so. And that would play during the episode to let people hear you talk about the product that you're proud of or the service that you're proud of and the, the, the thing that you're an expert about. Like we're experts about what we talk about now. Or if you're as funny and intelligent as Steve Domahitty, you could do an entire episode for yourself. You could. Uh, I was just going more for <laughs> the financial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have things lined up uh, here in the next few weeks to talk with a few local companies. Um, and there seems to be a lot of like the whole feedback episode. Uh, yeah. So we did the feedback sports episode and that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully here soon we'll be doing a, an episode with, uh, three other local, um, are we getting wheels manufacturing? Uh, well, 
So we're going to try to do three other episodes with Colorado companies that are here in the Front Range area that I think do um, things a little bit differently. Um, I said I wasn't going to name names, but I don't think a, a company like Specialized has a lot. To, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're they're not they uh, they don't have time. Anyone to, there listens to our show. Well, no, they, they just don't have time to fuck with us. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, like, we don't have the. They don't, don't notice have, that one extra crave you sell. Right, or or like that person that sent me a thing on Twitter, like, "Hey, look, um, because of you, I bought more Maxis, or you know, you being GR, JRA, I bought more Maxis tires." And you know, it's like, oh, yeah, they never you, really responded to that. And if you look in the background, there's more Maxis tires on different bikes, you know. Um, yeah. So we're we're trying really hard to provide a good service. Um, I've all but quit. I've been extremely busy for the last few months, but I've all but quit reading the bigger, bigger, uh, news articles, um, or news outlets. I look at bike rumor is kind of interesting still. I look at bike rumor because I consider it to be like an RSS feed. So it just gathers all the, the new shit that I probably hate onto, yeah. into one easy it's to find like location. It's like a conglomeration of new shit that we hate. Um, you know, and then there's a couple of other really good ones. Uh, 303 cycling, um, you know, the area code, one of the area codes for Colorado front range is 303. Um, so 303cycling.com is great. They have a really interesting, um, classified section. They have really up to date news and then, uh, brain bicycle retailer and industry news, uh, which is bicycleretailer.com. They offer the news that is very big and important that other people don't want to cover. Um, you know what, uh, 303 cycling is missing. It's like on Craigslist, how there's like missed connections and, uh, you know, like the, the dating part of Craigslist. Like, I, I think that would be good for 303 cycling. From what I've seen, people here in the bike shop world have no trouble finding one another on Tinder. <laughs> that is true. Um, but, Who'd you find, Matt? Uh, a, a friend of mine found someone on on Tinder. Kenny, it is amazing here. You would think that in Denver... That there are so many bike shops and the cycling community is huge that like you wouldn't meet a lot of people and have like mutual friends and like mutual everything, but you do like the community is, it's like the smallest small world you can ever imagine. Like it's (laughs) everybody knows what's happening with everybody else and everyone knows each other. So it's, it's a, it's like I it's it would be pointless for me to tell you like all the stories that yeah that's what I've come to notice in like the last 2 weeks. There's only one degree of separation for everything. Yeah, basically. I mean, I understand that's how the world works, but like from Fort Collins down to Colorado Springs, there's like one degree of separation or two degrees for every single thing ever. And it just <laughs> like every person. It just gets really really overloaded. But no, Back to serious. Uh, so, bicycle retail—they offer some news that other people don't want to cover. Um, it's not very clickbaity news, but it's very interesting news. Like uh, this person was announced as the new CEO of this company, or um, like when Luke Musselman, the old Cannondale rep from Memphis, was named to the Hayes Group as like one of their uh, like lead sales, or I don't remember his position, but like you know, seeing like that's the type of thing that they 
they That's hang. It. You're just uh, talking about like stuff that you read, correct? Yeah, like the okay. the type of news that they cover that you won't find anywhere else, and not that you really need to know it, but that you can know it, and it's really interesting. Um, so check those things out. I think they definitely do a really good job on what we're or complimenting what we do. And a really cool thing is, is you can listen to that while, or you can listen to us while you read that and it all works out great. So, all right. Well, do you want to do our question for the week or do you want to talk about stuff we've done this week? Uh, we can talk about whichever you guys would prefer. Can you have anything cool that's happened to you in the last week? Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a decent amount of stuff to talk about, actually. Um, you want to get the question done? Oh, well, yeah, let's do the question. Uh, Yo, JRA, I rode up Tiger Mountain near Seattle, Washington the other day, and somehow my front brake pads jumped out at the summit. <laughs> they jumped out like a little tiger. <laughs> I had pulled them out a few weeks back to cure some squealing and hadn't had any problems, but I must have either not tighten the brake pad retention pin or forgot to reinstall the tiny little clip that goes on the end. Either way, I got to ride down the trails without front brakes, which is pretty exciting. Hold on. Let's pause there. For what it's worth, you must have done both. Because if you didn't tighten the bolt, the pin would have held it in. Or if you had left the little retaining clip off the end but but had properly tightened the bolt, the bolt would have stayed in. Yeah, You'll, you'd be surprised how many bikes come into a shop and just don't have that clip on there, like half of them. So it sounds like uh, Both. Uh, Nate from Seattle. You done fucked up, Nate. Yep. I wonder if this is the Nate that used to work for us. In Seattle? Uh, is there a Nate that moved to Seattle? I don't think who a, is us? I don't think a Nate that used to work at a bike shop would send in this question now that I think about it. So <laughs> okay. keep reading. That was a dumb, dumb thing to say. Checking out the damage when I got home, it looks like my rotor is also warped enough to touch the brake housing with no pads installed once per revolution. I was getting ready to buy a new rotor pads and pin and clip, but then I looked up how to true rotor, and it looks like it's something people do. So the question is, is it worth to try and bend the rotor back into compliance, or should I just go ahead, or should I go ahead and just buy a new one? The brakes are XT... You should let let him out so he doesn't pee on the floor. Sorry, Indy just woke up. Um, the brakes are Shimano XT BR-M785 with 180mm rotors and had metallic pads with fins. By the way, <laughs> the wet crotch towel advice in the diagram episode is for sure the best advice ever with an R, ever. I cried a little on the way to work listening to that. Can I use the tears in place of water? Um, you know, if you cried enough tears out to clean your crotch with a damp towel, then... You have a very tiny crotch. Or you cry a lot of tears. So, sure. Yeah. No, I was going to Let say, us know how that goes. If you have enough tears to clean up your crotch, you ain't got much crotch to clean, if you know what I'm saying. Um. You know, people do true rotors. Not um, ones that are bent that bad. If they're bent bad enough that they're touching any part of your brake caliper without pads in it, then it's probably too warped. You're going to have a bad time. So my advice would be if you have the Ice Tech rotor, 
Um, it should say ice tech on the rotor somewhere if you have one of those. So basically if it's an XT rotor, uh, and it's new, it's probably an ice tech and you don't really want to try to true those. If they're very, very minorly bent, you can true them. If they're very badly bent, they will not true up very well at all compared to a steel one. So I probably wouldn't fuck with it. If it was a straight up steel rotor, all steel, no aluminum carrier or any of that nonsense, then I would maybe try it. Um, and sometimes I take it as a challenge to try to true rotors that are like an inch out. <laughs> but I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have the proper dial, ta- uh, dial caliper to true it, uh, it's, I mean, you can get close, but it's just going to be such a pain in the ass. The dial caliper is helpful, but I have successfully trued like the last three shops that I've worked in. Well, actually any shop I've worked in after outdoors has not had a dial caliper. So I've just had to like put the wheel in the you know like in the bike and just true the rotor by watching where it rubs on the caliper or on the brake pads you'll work in a real shop one day andrea (laughs) i mean i work with people that you know can like true stuff on the fly like that (laughs) no i mean you absolutely can if you have some kind of frame of reference you can but if you've got a really bad rotor especially one that's out like multiple different directions Uh having that dial caliper is super handy yeah it is. you know it's also handy New fucking rotors. Yeah, a new rotor would probably so be a good a new idea. Are, new rotors are pretty cheap. So, and especially if you've already got a decent amount of mileage on your current rotor, then it's got wear on it. So, fuck it, just buy a new one. But if it's like brand spanking new and like you cried a little bit when it happened, then like maybe try it. I mean, if it's broken, you're not going to break it anymore. So, you might as well try. Yeah, you're not going to make it any worse by trying. Yeah, just go get a little crescent wrench and uh, tighten that sucker down on there and bend the shit out of it. Yeah, and, and when you get new brake pads, um, they'll come with a cotter pin. You stick that through, just in case, because there aren't instructions with the brake pads. When you stick the cotter pin through there, use some pliers to open the 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 split end up just a little bit so it can't fall back out. I mean, I, I kind of think that should go without saying, but just to make sure we're clear, like you can stick the cotter pin through there. It works just as well as the pin. It's just a little bit more of a pain in the ass. Um, put it through there and then use some, I use needle no, nose pliers and just bend each little tip out to the side just a tiny bit. So I had somebody that hammered a cotter pin into a caliper once. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, that was special. How did that turn out? Um, I just <laughs> I had to hammer it from the other side and hammer it back out. <laughs> did you use that little Nancy hammer? Yes. I missed the Nancy hammer. So yeah, I had a, still have it. It works great. I went on a uh, I went to Eagle this weekend and supported the high school mountain bike race. There was 615 kids that raced this weekend um, in the state championship race, and uh, 865. Uh, people raced throughout the year um, for the Colorado High School Mountain Bike League. So that means that over the course of the year, there was, you know, there wasn't 865 people at one race, but 865 students participated in high school racing this year. Unique students. Yeah, unique students uh, or different students. Um, So with that said, uh, I would like to um, say if you have the time, Please donate some of your time to NICA. If you have the means, please donate financially to NICA. And if you have old gear that you don't need, then uh, donate your old gear to the 
to NICA. And uh, if you if you're mechanically inclined, donate some of your time to NICA in that way, especially. Um, it seems like over the course of the, I worked an early season race, and and the bikes were bad. I mean, they were really bad. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There there was a lot of stuff that the whole bike was just all foobar. Um, but that's that's beside the point. Uh, I, I only dealt with what I would call bigger catastrophes this weekend. Um, so, a little quick rant. If you're a high school kid and you're riding an $8,000 bike, don't come to neutral support because you need a new shift cable. You should have gotten that sorted out this week at the bike shop. You're riding an $8,000 bike. I don't want to hear that you're having shifting problems. You know what's going on with your bike. You're fast. You're wearing a $60 Halloween costume standing there talking to me. Don't bring me your bike telling me that you're having shifting issues. You knew that your bike didn't shift when you left town. Indy's making noise drinking out of his water bowl. (laughs) So don't do it. Don't be a jerk. Um. But also, I, don't bring your dad's bike up to this neutral support, being like, like five foot six, and no, bringing up like an extra large bike. I mean, if that person walks up with their bike and they like politely ask me for help, and no one's around, I'll help them. I don't care. I'm there to work on bikes. I'm not getting paid by the piece. I'm getting paid, or I'm not like charging people or anything. I'm just doing the work. And if they're like, "Oh, uh, can you help me like adjust my brake lever?" I'm like, "Sure." If they're like, can you overhaul my bike? I'm like, uh, no, no. Um, but where I was going with this is if you're someone that loves tools, you should get a pair of Nipex parallel adjustable pliers. Um, they're really cool. They're sold on Amazon and, uh, they're pretty expensive, but, uh, I got to use two pairs of those on a single rotor this weekend. (laughs) So I took one pair of pliers and held the rotor where I didn't want it to bend and use the other pair of pliers and bent the rotor where I wanted it to bend. Um, I don't know how this kid had done it, but his rotor was bent so like his rotor had like a J bend in it pretty much. It was just like, (laughs) we had a, a kid brought his bike into the shop last week and it was for like cable and housing. And he didn't say anything about it, but it was also missing two spokes. Like, they were just gone. Like, two spokes were gone, and the nipple was rattling around in the room. And he just didn't say anything about it. And I think it, like, I think it was because he didn't want to tell his parents that he'd screwed his wheel up. But we, we fixed it. Uh, also, for what it's worth, um, oh, crap. I just went blank. Uh, the Bontrager flash charger pump, that thing works. Oh, is that the one that seats tubeless tires or is made to do that? It is for tubeless seating, and it works. That's cool. It actually works. Kenny, have you tried any of those newer pumps that are out that are, like, made to make tubeless tires go? No, not that particular one with, like, the big charge tank. I've definitely yeah. used, like, some of the Topeak stuff that's got, like, a lot more air volume. Yeah, yeah, like the Mountain. We have, well, I have, like, the Mountain Pump. It's low yeah. pressure, high volume. Yeah, yeah. We've got a few of those in the shop now. But I no, I haven't tried like the charge up yeah. the Topeak makes one that has the big charger on it, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm I do sure. know. It's it's sick though. 
So do you just pump it up and then you push a release button or something? Well, what's really cool is you have two options. Um, if you have the lever down, you just if the lever is in the down position, the hose is closed. So you can pump the pump it up to 150 psi with it not attached to anything. Okay. Um, so you're just making that chamber 150. You're just making the chamber 150, and then if someone like so I tried to leave it topped off throughout the day. That way, if someone that was on course came to me for a flat repair, I could just like charge, inflate their new <laughs> tube that I put that's in. Cool. Um, but the other thing that's really cool is uh, if you're airing a tire up and you air it up to 40, let's say 35, whatever, and you flip the lever closed, when you take the hose off, it stays at 35. Oh, okay. Or like if you did a road tire with it, it would stay at 100. So it's a little cumbersome to like get it to a hundred at first because it's pretty, it's a lower volume pump, so you can easily get it up to one hundred and fifty. But it's like really cool. Like I'm three for three this weekend with it. That's cool. I mean, we have a Bontrager pump in the shop. Is like our back in the shop pump, and I really like it. Like the val the the uh, the head on it works really well. With both Presta and Schrader valves. And like most of the time, stuff works fine with Presta, but then some pumps really suck at Schrader valves. And this one is like super smooth with both. Schrader valves should die. Yeah, but I mean, they're still around on cheap bikes. Dude. You just gotta deal with them. Dude. What? Also, I saw the head carbon fat bike rim in person the other day, and I was afraid to touch it. Why? It's like one sheet of carbon? The sidewall, I guess the hookless clenching part of the rim, Mm -hmm. is so thin, it's like less than two millimeters thick. It's like not as thick as a rotor. I mean, I guess that would make sense that it's such a low pressure thing that, I mean, Kenny, does that make sense to you that it would... Since it's no, such a it doesn't pressure. because it's a rim strike issue. So yeah. I've had a couple of different people now blow up Nexties. Yeah. Those wide ones that got all popular because um, they were one of the first like China carbon sort of tubeless compatible wide China carbon stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you hit a rock with one of those, they just explode. <laughs> pew. <laughs> pew, pew. Oh, my headphones falling out. Laser cats. Your rim done blowed up. That's a. Uh... I have some like random advice for like wanting advice from Kenny that will probably help some of our listeners. Unless you're, you still want to keep talking about high school mountain stuff for you. I want to talk about one more carbon wheel that came out that did make me a little tingly. What? The new Envy cross tubular wheel. Yeah. So how wide is it? It's they say it's optimized for. Cross, yeah. So it's a little narrower like a, than their mountain bike rim, yeah. But, but it's, it's wider than their road rims for yeah, sure. Yeah, like cross base tape width. Yeah, the thing that made me like tingle in my uh, in my regions. in my crotch towel region, uh, crotch towel region. So that built a DT one eighties is a twelve hundred gram wheel. That's nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So how, deep, how deep is it? It's not very deep okay. either. Um, I mean, isn't that still like the thing for cross too? Is that still a thing for cross? Like I haven't ra- like seriously raced cross in so long. I don't know if 
Dude, Barry, the carbon tubular trend is still deep dish. Dude, Barry Wicks was riding some things at the Boulder race that were like almost 808 deep. He oh, was nice. just like destroying on some like big, thick carbon. Well, Barry Wicks is a big man. He's a big, thick Barry. He's not really thick. I mean, he's not really thin either. Like, he's slim, but then you get close to him and you realize that he's just big. He is a big guy. Like, he's taller than me, and broader than me, and thicker than me. I mean, so is everyone else. <laughs> Not everybody's taller than me. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, and last thing about tubulars. I'm probably going to build a set of major toms. Okay. Are those carbon or not? No, that's the velocity one that's like a millimeter deep. Oh, okay. So they'll be like real flexy. Super flexy. They're going to be flexing all over the place. That's going to suck a little. No, it's going to be like the tubular version of a crest. It's going to be awesome. Eh, I like stiff tubulars. Tubulars aren't about that kind of comfort. Tubulars are about traction and awesomeness. But wouldn't traction come when the wheel is more compliant you don't bounce all around? Eh, I don't know. I mean, you can run tubulars at such low pressure, then I think you're making up for the fact that you're, they're like carbon and, you know, 40, 40 to 60 millimeters deep. But anyway, I have some non-tubular advice to ask Kenny. Sure. Uh, so I'm thinking about selling my mountain bike power meters and getting just a plain crank for my bike. And I was kind of thinking, like, I could go super baller and get, like, the race face next SL. But I was going to see what you thought, because you are a connoisseur of non-power meter cranks. Sure. So what what would you get, like, if you just had, like, if you were able to sell a power meter and have that money to buy a crank at, you know, like, industry insider douchebag cost, what would you get? Turbo uh, for the Daewoo. <laughs> yeah. Right now, the best crank on the market is the Next SL. That's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, I would just, have to get new bottom is. brackets, but you know what? Like, John at 9250, he blew up two of those bottom brackets during the six months that I was there. The Which ones? Uh, that, like, the one that has tiny fucking bearings in it. Which, the race face? Yeah. Yeah, like well, the race face... You know what's funny is wood. none of them are actually that tiny, so they all use BB30 bearings. Uh, I don't remember the number, 6806 or something like that. Even in a, like a, whatever, like a BB92, like a pivot frame? To my knowledge, um, to my knowledge, the threaded English one I know, that one, even though you wouldn't think it'd have a, a bigger bearing in it, it somehow does. Huh. I think it's because the whole system is wider. Yeah. So, they can fit that stuff out a little bit wider. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's my one holdup is that the, like, seriously, like, dealing with, because I have some of the same tendencies as John to just, like, tear shit up and just be hard on my, my stuff, but I'm just smaller than him, so I'm not quite as bad as he is, um, but I, I still have those same tendencies, so I'm, I'm just worried about the bottom bracket not lasting. Yeah, so I got my race face next SL about a year ago, uh-huh. and I'm on my same bottom bracket, and it is 100% mint. Okay. I guess, uh, you know, if I got it at industry insider douchebag price, that I would be able to sell it if I didn't like it. You can also do fancy stuff. You can just pull the bearings out of those cups, and you can yeah. put in, like, uh, a wheels manufacturing. You can put in a wheels manufacturing um, 
I've replaced uh, John's pivot. Stainless steel bearing. But how is there a cup in your pivot frame? Not in the pivot one, but in like the threaded one. I well, like even John's. the press, even the press fit ones, the bearings don't sit inside the frame. Like on a press fit ninety two. Yeah. Uh, the bearings sit outboard. Wait, how? Uh, it blows your mind. I don't know. I, I think the whole deal is they make the spindle. Uh, the spindle is so wide on the race face that they sit. Uh, they sit external. I'm looking right now. Uh, I'm sitting in the garage. I'm looking at my bike, and the it's a press fit thirty bottom bracket. And even though the bearings could go inside the frame, they sit outside the frame. Well, that's no different than GXP, though. I'm confused as well, to what your problem is. You're, well, you're saying, well, GXP is a 68 shell with external bearings and your crank uses the same spindle and the same arm as you would use in a threaded bottom bracket. It's just a fatter spindle. So it has to be no, outside my, of your my crank. niner has a press fit 30 bottom bracket. Right. But the crank is the same arm on every one of their cranks. That is correct. So they have to run your BB30 bearings outside or there would just be like an, what would it end up being? I mean, it would be 40, almost 40 millimeters of, it'd be 34 millimeters of spacers they would have to run outside of the BB30 bearings. Yeah, something, something like that. I actually don't know what they do for a BB30. You might not actually be able to run these cranks on a BB30, or maybe there's a bunch of spacers that come with it. I don't even know. But then I I guess where I'm going though is like, how would you, but your GXP and your BB30 are going to be spaced out the same. How would you go wider than that for press fit 92? Um, I don't know. The bearings, to my knowledge, the bearings sit outboard on every single one of the systems. I don't remember. Like I, it's been, Long enough since I, I've installed enough bottom brackets when I was at ninety two fifty that I don't remember exactly what that one looked like. Um, I just remember using like a headset press to press it in. Yeah, I will consult the internet. I, I have not installed. I've only installed these in PressFit thirty and English threaded. Uh huh. But from what I've seen from pictures and what I recall, I think even that the twenty four mil spindle BB ninety two or BB ninety one or BB eighty nine or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. The twenty four mil uh, press fit bottom brackets. I believe the race face one is outboard. I'm trying to look it up right now. But anyway, in my experience, this race face crank is the freaking business. It's super light. You can get a bunch of different chain rings for it. Um, you know, what else about it? Oh, so the tensioning system is solid. Yeah. I've, I've used, I've, I've installed them a good bit. I mean, we sold those a pretty good amount at 9250, but I know that I replaced bearings twice on John's and once on someone else's. Like I, yeah. I did at least in six months. I did at least three total bottom bracket bearing replacements. Like I, so there's no plastic to be found on this thing. Like on the SRAM stuff. While I like the arms of the SRAM and all your chainring options, uh, I really hate that little plastic adjuster knob. They like sometimes they don't spin and then they strip out and then they do spin and then they just then the whole thing spins. And yeah, I, those things are really suck ass. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's only on the 30 mil SRAM stuff. The GXP SRAM stuff is solid. I have no issues with those whatsoever. So if Yeah, you I mean, a- with those, you basically replace your bottom bracket like 
once a year. Yeah, once a year. Totally par for the course, and that's fine. But anyway, um, I love my race face. I actually kind of wanted to not like it because in the past, I, I thought race face stuff was a little bit chintzy. They kind of went through a weird like Taiwan period there. Um, but yeah, it seems to be really, really solid. No issues at all. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like I thought about it. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at prices. What what would be like out of, I don't know, like alloy cranks? What's what's out there that's good? Like anything? Hologram. Holo- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't so, be any hey, cheaper. Matt, you're right. On the, the BB-92 has some kind of special bearing. So that one might be sketchy. Um, yeah. That one does, you are absolutely right, that one does sit inboard. And it's a little scrawny bearing. Yeah. So the BSA and the PressFit 30 sit outboard. That's kind of what I was thinking. I remember like the first thing I did for John or one of the first things was replace a BSA one that was in his nuke proof. Or I think I just like replaced a bearing in it. And then in his 429, like it was just like the whole thing just shit the bed at Tatanka and I replaced the whole thing. But yeah, so that's what I was kind of looking at was possibly doing that. So if anyone's interested in mountain bike power meters, I basically, I just kind of realized that I'm not, I'm not really training. Like even if I'm riding on a consistent basis, which I haven't been because of like moving and jobs and things like that. Um, even riding consistently out here, I just like go out and ride. I don't really pay that much attention even after the fact, you know, last week we talked about, uh, when a mountain bike power meter would be useful you know, it's like I'll go back and look at it after the fact, but I'm not, I'm just not really training. Like, I'm not setting any zones and doing intervals and all that kind of stuff. So I just, I need money more than I need a power meter right now. So I, I'm thinking I'm going to sell a couple of mountain bike quarks, um, set up one by there. So they're XX1 quarks, and I have two of them. Um, yeah. Give me two per. <laughs> two purrs two pur- pur- of so mountain bike forks i don't know i i will basically my plan is to go on ebay and see what they're selling for um and i will sell them at that price um so if you're listening to this and you just got like a big chubby since i said that i'm selling a mountain bike work um you know, you can look at eBay and see what the price is and you can, you know, email me or hit me up on Twitter or whatever, just Andrea at mountainbikeradio.com. Uh, you know, I, maybe I'll sell my power meter to you or maybe I'll change my mind and I won't sell any of them. I don't know. It depends. We'll see. <laughs> I'm tired. You tired? Kenny, are you tired? Uh, no. Kenny doesn't sleep anymore. I don't. I just wait. <laughs> what are you waiting for? <laughs> the uh, right opportunity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's Pete. a Chuck Norris thing. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I was just making stuff up. Yeah, Chuck Norris doesn't sleep. He waits. <laughs> Kenny, you're... I don't know. Maybe you are Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh, so I did some racing over the weekend. Oh yeah, where'd you race? For the first time in a long time, and it was really cool. So it's been a hot minute. I know, I know. I just uh, it's expensive. That's another thing I just kind of want to talk about. But yeah, I'll go over the race first, and then I'll then I'll bitch a little bit. Okay. So 
I went to uh, Birmingham, Alabama to do the, I think it used to be called the Oak Ass 50, but now it's called the Cahaba 50, as in like the yeah. Cahaba Valley. Yeah. So anyway, I did that race. This is the one that's at Oak Mountain. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was really cool. Did you um, ride down Blood Rock? Yes. Because so, people always go nuts about that, and it doesn't, it, all the pictures make it not look really that bad. It's but, just a little weird, like, at the bottom. I'd never seen it in my life, and everyone talked it up. Um, so the first on the first lap, I knew that I was there, but I'd never seen it in person. Uh-huh. But I knew I was there because there was a big crowd of people, and, you know, everyone in front of me was dismounted. So for two reasons. One, everybody in front of me was dismounted. And two, there were lots of people, and I had no idea what it was, and I wasn't going to, like, get baited into something I haven't seen before. Uh-huh. So I walked it and kind of glanced at it as I was walking down. And it, you know, it's not, like, easy, but it's not it, – it's not, like, that sketchy. Um, it's like it's, the, the times I've seen videos of people riding it, they're just going, like, through it fast. Yeah. And so the, the, yeah, and the times I've get seen in people, trouble when you go slow. Yeah, the times I've seen people, like, in themselves, they're trying to, like, pick their way through it at two miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't want to do that. Um, but you just carry like average speed, and you'll be totally fine. As as are most things in mountain biking. So anyway, there's that. That's not really that important. Um, so yeah, did the fifty. Um, so the race organization was really good. Registration was really fast. So that's all really nice. It was really expensive, which I'll get to later. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as racing goes, it went really well. Me and uh, two guys from my team went down, and then. There weren't a whole lot of Memphis folks, so who showed up? Uh, Hart was there, and Dave Collins was there. Loreen was there, wasn't she? And Loreen was there, yes. Yeah, because I remember Carrie Lowry posted something about, thanks to Loreen for pushing me, and I was like, yeah, you can't fuck up when Loreen's behind you because she, no, just, no. she just does not slow down. Like she, she may not go as fast as you, but she doesn't go – she doesn't ever go slower. No. So I also – I'll talk about that later. I met uh, Carrie Lowry, so that's pretty cool. But anyway, um, did um, – yeah, did the race. It was really cool. Uh, it was amazing weather. So it was really rainy in Memphis, so it was a really good opportunity to uh, to go out of town. And the weather was super, super nice there, really dry. I don't think that trail is like ever going to be faster than it was when we had the race. So super nice weather. It was like 70 degrees. Um, yeah, no complaints on that course was good. It was well marked weather was awesome. So like all that stuff was, was great. And Mm -hmm. the course is really cool. It's basically got a lot of flat, but flowy sections, no tree gates and any of that dumb stuff. Uh, it's got some real nice descents that really link up well and you can get really going fast, like, you know, scary, scary fast. Uh, so that part's really cool. That's kind of the general overview. And there's two. There's two big climbs in it, uh, one up a gravel road and one up a paved road. So it's kind of cool. You get all your climbing done, not on like single track techie stuff. They're just, you know, you just get your climbing done. And then you get to go, style? Yeah, then you get to go screaming down the technical stuff, which is really fun. I like that. I think that's totally cool. I mean, I'll both is fine with me. I don't, I like, I actually really like technical climbing. However, technical climbing can kind of like wear you down. Um, so just getting it done on the open is, is kind of nice. So that's basically what the profile is for people that are curious. It's a 25-mile loop with 2,500 feet of climbing, so very average. Uh, what else about it? Yeah, two big climbs. Uh, they're both maybe, let's say, 800 feet apiece, and then the rest is just small little bits in between. 
and that's that's kind of it so that's it was really cool but as far as my day goes i haven't been like training a whole lot but i felt pretty good going into it uh, i've done some decent medium to long range riding but i just kind of went in not wanting to blow myself up and i was actually really shocked these southeast guys there's a lot of fast folks out there yeah there are they were pushing the pace from the beginning really hard so usually I like to just settle in kind of mid pack and do my own thing. But I was even in mid pack, I was getting kind of pushed. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of rowdy. I was running a really high heart rate for the first probably hour, which I wasn't too pumped about, but I felt pretty good. So I just went along with it. Uh, I didn't let people, some people were attacking really hard on the climbs and I just let them go. And sure enough, they blew up at hour three. So that was not really a problem. Uh, what else? Yeah. Other than that, I had a really good day. Um, What's really funny, something I want to bring up is I cannot believe how bad people are at descending in that <laughs> like, par- part of the country. It and was so mind-boggling. Kenny, you can actually say how bad people are at descending because it's really not any better out here. I mean, holy it's crazy. shit. I was, like, I was laughing. I was riding with my buddy Jacob, and he's a very, very competent descender. And we're just kind of riding together, doing our own thing. And we, what we like to do is we kind of we go in a very consistent pace on the climbs, do our thing, and then we just you let it rip anywhere we can maintain speed. So whether it's a berm corner or, or a downhill or whatever, we want to like go as fast as possible on that stuff because I yeah. think that's really fun. Yeah, it's free speed and it's fun as long it's as you're speed. as long as you're comfortable and you're not ending yourself. It is free speed. Exactly, and that's what blew my mind about this. These people. It, were pretty darn strong and they were pushing hard on the climbs and on the flats and they get to the downhill and it was like they'd never ridden a damn bike before i mean this stuff <laughs> we're seeing some shit we never seen before jay <laughs> yeah so it was really really fast don't get me wrong but none of it was very scary or very technical so i just don't understand what the hell people were doing i mean some guy dismounted on like this little downhill turn he just like got off his bike inexplicably. And anyway, it was just everything. About, like I was laughing so hard during this. And there's one, this one little section that they call Jekyll or Jekyll and Hyde or something like that. It's a, uh, I don't know, a couple miles of Silamo esque rocks and people freak out about it. And I'd ridden that one section before. Uh, the one other time I'd been there, I did ride that one section one time. So I kind of knew what to expect. And basically, you pedal kind of hard when you see a little rock climb, and you just throw your bike at it, and you just kind of go over it. It's actually a lot easier than a lot of the sections at Silomo, Right. I thought. Right. So anyway, I just thought it was hilarious. And we, on that one section, on the first lap, I think we passed 15 people. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, so come on. It uh, is pretty how- ridiculous, but and it's it's this it's crazy out here. It's the same way, like the Winter Park cross country race. Like I thought for sure, this is Colorado. People have to be able to, they have to be a little bit okay at going downhill because they do it all the time. That's what I would think, but they don't. Like they're not. There are, if you think proportionally, the number of people that suck at going downhill in Memphis, Tennessee. And Birmingham and like all that, all the places you're used to, like proportionally speaking, the normal 
the amount of people that you know that suck going downhill, it's the same here. That's so funny. It is. It's like so it, funny. It just like caught me so off guard. I'm like, why are we going so slow now? What? What? Wait, hold on. Why are you using your brakes right here? Like, there's a berm. Like, don't do that. Like, but it happens. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've ridden the trail one time in my life, and I was just out there, just like ripping. I mean, it's not. Everything was plainly visible. There was nothing like sketchy or blind corners or anything like that. And just, yeah, it was all this free speed that people were just wasting. So, I mean, hey, props to them. They had tons of fitness. But holy crap, they couldn't handle a bike for shit. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Birmingham, Alabama people, learn how to learn how to ride a bike. It's crazy. Everybody. Was it really expensive? Yeah, so it was expensive. I'll talk about that aspect. So the course was well laid out and well-marked, so that was no concern. And I understand there's all kinds of things that go into a race. You've got to, so insurance is huge. Uh, I, I mean, I'd be willing to bet in some form or another that's probably about half of your damn cost is because we're Americans and we're stupid and we like to sue each other over everything. Stupid with so, tea. Yeah, so that's why, that that's just ridiculous, but that's it is what it is. So if you're going to have an organized event, I mean, you know, if you have like a, a cocktail party, like you have to like make people sign waivers and get insurance and shit. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You cannot do anything. If you have an organized group of people, all of a sudden, like you're responsible for everything in the world. And I just, I don't, I don't get that. So there's that portion of it. And I totally understand that. Uh, but I just don't, this is an, I, granted I signed up day of and I understand it's going to be more expensive. That's fine. Oh Yeah. But it was ninety dollars. Yeah. And for how long? Fifty miles? Yeah. Four but, hours? But that doesn't matter to me because I'd never saw another person when I was racing. There was not a single aid station on the entire course. Whole thing. Twenty five mile loop, nothing. Wow. And I have no problem with that. I'm self sufficient anyway. And they told everybody at the beginning exactly that that's what it was going to be and you need to be self-sufficient and you should probably bring your cell phone. They gave everybody like emergency contact stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But even just a water stop, they had nothing, literally nothing. There were some people there like volunteers, Uh but they were just sitting there. And I think like in the sketchy section. So if somebody got hurt, they could, you know, help them out. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't have any qualms with the fact that they didn't have aid stations. That's not the issue. The issue is that the damn thing costs $90. And it's not just this race in particular. I don't want to pick on this race. It's it's just a trend of expensive racing. Dude, I did and a cyclocross race. It was $55 last week. And that, that's unacceptable. There's no reason why that should cost that much. Unless they're giving you, you know, all you can drink, uh, all you can drink, you know. I thought you were going to say hand jobs. Yeah. So if they're giving out handies and whiskey. <laughs> And they have got a, shri- a shrimp cocktail and porta potties and whatever else goes with that. I don't know. So I guess you need handies for or porta potties for the handies or something. But uh, regardless, I don't understand why a race is so damn expensive. So I mean, we need to figure out a way to cut shit out. Like, um, I'm done. What is going on over there? Uh, Matt was yelling at his dog. Uh, okay. So, I'm definitely done with like t-shirts and shot glasses and whining dog is like a fucking kid. I hate hearing things like animals just fucking make noise. Just boils (laughs) my blood. 
Okay. I didn't even notice him like making noise. I, I have headphones in. And He's I been whining it. for like the last 50 minutes. I haven't heard it. I've listened to my dog whine for 50 minutes and I want to end him. <laughs> And he's so cute. I know. I love him. I won't kill him. But, like, God, it's like you're you're in this, like, air conditioner, like, climate-controlled room with a bed <laughs> and water. And, like, you're happy. You're just, like, pissed off that you can't run around and, like, clomp around and make a bunch of noise right now. So you're going to whine. Kind of like Kenny yep. about expensive racing. Exactly. <laughs> oh. But yeah, if you do 10 endurance races a year, it's $1,000. And it's just it's just ridiculous. It's totally silly. And by the time, you know, if you want to go do any decent endurance races, at some point you're going to have to travel a tiny bit. So, you know, you're already, you know, they want you to come to their race. And then you got to go pay for a bunch of gas. And then you got to, you know, you got to have road food. And I know you can pack your own shit and all that. But then you got to stay at a hotel. And it ends up being a $200 a weekend. Yeah, I mean, that that happens. I mean, that's what it was like when I was doing the NUE races. All of those races cost over $100. I mean, they're yeah. over, they're 100 mile races, but like a cheap one was like $110. And a lot of them were, you know, upwards of, they're usually between 150 and 200, especially if you're registering closer to the, the day of the race. I mean, that's just, and, and there were always, there are eight stations on course, but you know, it kind of varied a little bit, but that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I got kind of used to races costing more than a hundred dollars a mile, like pretty early in my racing career. Yeah. I, we just need to collectively oh, get sorry, together, dollar a mile. figure out a way to get the prices down a little bit, you know? Um, it's just, anyway, it's crazy. It's just something I noticed. And, uh, again, I'm not, poking at this particular race because it's not just them it's a whole bunch of ones i do but yeah i mean i really like yeah, the I mean, there's, format enduro racing is incredibly expensive like way way expensive i mean just stupidly like where are you i guess it, it covers like lift tickets and more insurance i'm sure the insurance for an enduro race is even more expensive than for an endurance race but still like you know it's it's like prohibitively expensive when you add in like the fact that they release the course, you know, two days ahead of time and you're expected to go pre-ride the course. Um, you know, like you, you're staying in a hotel extra nights to be competitive. You're staying in a hotel extra nights. You are, you know, riding. If it's one of the many ones that's like lift service out here, you're paying for, you know, your lift ticket to pre-ride the course, unless you're going to ride, you know, like a normal person and like actually pedal your bike up the hill. Um, I was going to say, uh, Enduro, you're not allowed to use a lift. So what the Oh, no, no. Out here, all of the big mountain Enduro races are like 90% lift service. It's like almost yeah. a full-on down. It's like a downhill stage race. Yeah, I don't agree with that. That's dumb. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's why I didn't do enduro racing this year when I kind of had planned on it because I realized that it's like a downhill stage race. Yeah, and that's fine. If it's a downhill stage race, I have nothing wrong with that. I think downhill racing is freaking awesome. But don't call it an enduro if you're not going to ride the damn thing. The dog is still whining, and I just it just drives me bonkers. I can't even hear the dog whining. It's not on the recording, I don't think. I don't care if it's on the recording or not. I'm tired of the dog whining. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is Matt's rant for the week. And his dog is whining. Yeah, so all I hear is you whining, Matt. <laughs> Dude, you paid ninety dollars to race for like four or five hours. I paid fifty-five dollars to race for forty-seven minutes. Yeah, it's really dumb. I'm shoot. It's really, really dumb. So anyway, that's one thing I noticed. But all that stuff aside, I had a really good time. It was a really good day. Uh, ended up actually doing okay. I think I got eighth in men's open, so I was pretty happy uh, with that. And just kind of ballparking my time. I thought I was going to run a lot slower than I actually did. So everything went super well. Oh, I did uh, I did flat out on the second lap. I almost never flat. And, yeah, I got a little tired, a little sloppy, and I was just kind of hovering over a rock section. And I got the bike super light, and I was pretty much in the air, and the back tire just barely nipped one of these rocks and just pretty much exploded. So, yeah, it was like stands all up my back and everything. So I knew it was over. <laughs> I knew it was over instantly. You didn't try uh, to, like, I, air it up before you put it too there. No, I didn't even attempt it. It was like I could, yeah, I could stick a, a few fingers in this hole. It was, it was pretty big. <laughs> Did you patch it with something? Uh, yeah, I put a goo wrapper on it. That's good. So that worked out. Uh, and I was really slow fixing it, which is my own fault because I didn't carry CO2 and I just should have. I'm just in, I was in kind of trail mode where I just carry a hand pump and I've got a tube and all the tools and all that good stuff, but I wasn't as like race prepped as I should have been. So that's, that's totally my own fault. So I took like damn near 10 minutes to like get situated and when i got off the bike i did take about 30 minutes to kind of stretch out because i felt i was about to i went from like four hours on the bike of going pretty damn hard to just stopping Mm -hmm. and it was i could tell my body was not super stoked about that so i chilled out a little bit stretched a little bit and i actually started feeling a lot better and then just got back to it and anyway by the time i got everything done it was damn near 10 minutes but i didn't even lose a place which is pretty cool that's good yeah, a couple people passed me, but they ended up being in uh, either single speed or some other uh, some other category. I think maybe three guys passed me while I was working on that. And then I pushed really – I think I had four or five miles to go, so I pushed really hard after that. And uh, I think maybe reeled one or two guys in and then ended up finishing with a single speed guy. Um, so, yeah, all worked out really well. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool. pretty much my weekend. And I also sold my oval ring because it's really dumb. <laughs> that's good to hear yeah so i sold that thing and i put a a three zero thirty tooth ring on and i was super happy it was so nice to be on a round ring it's amazing <laughs> it was so round do you you run the 30 in memphis yeah that's nuts yeah that's what i like that's really crazy i mean i just imagine that your chain line a lot of the times is not very good because you're using the higher years no, I mean, if you look at a regular crank, it's biased way to the outside. It's biased to your uh, your hard gears. Okay. Yeah, so on a 10-speed cassette, uh, a 51 mil chain line lines up with, let's see, 10, 9, 8. It roughly lines up with 7, which is your, your fourth hardest gear. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, not a problem. Not a problem at all, really. In fact, you get a better chain line most of the time using a smaller ring because you're in the harder gears. But the downside is you're wearing out smaller cogs in the back. Yeah, a lot faster. Yeah. Plus your ring smaller, so you wear it out faster. Yeah, I've burned through a couple of thirty tooths out here. Oh. But your chain, your chain is like 
five grams lighter because it's got like one extra link in it, <laughs> which is super baller. And it also makes your chain like, I have to do the math on it, uh, like 1% more reliable because there's less links in it. Ain't that some shit? Ain't that some shit? Uh, is there any new shit out there that we hate? Or are we ready to wrap up the show? I hate whining dogs. I'm going to have to take one of my headphones out so I can hear the whining dog. I still don't hear a whining dog. <laughs> All right. Well, if we don't have anything else to, to, to hate on, except for whining dogs, we can go ahead and wrap it up. Sound good? Yes. <laughs> Kenny, are you good with that? I'm good. All right. Well, thanks for listening to JRA. If you uh, would like to donate to us, go to uh, jrashow.com and click on the support JRA button. If you have any questions for us, email them to info at mountainbikeradio.com. Or if you have any comments, if you want to hate on us, if you um, want to love on us or whatever, you can also email that same address. Uh, Thanks for listening and good night.